You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Over. This is Kim, and welcome to the 173rd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we are starting our conversation about self-discovery with Gigi Kilrow. Gigi is someone I went to high school with. We sang together in the school chorus. And many years later, I reconnected with her when she told me she had written a book and wondered if I would publish it. The rest is history. Gigi earned her bachelor's in early childhood education, her master's in exceptional persons, and special education supervisory certification from Bloomsburg University in Pennsylvania. He retired from a career of 32 years in the field of special education, the first nine years as a special education teacher, and the remaining 23 as a special education supervisor. Working with students with special needs was her passion. Once a victim who has emerged a strong survivor, now Gigi's passion is to share her journey of healing and, more importantly, her message of hope with survivors of all ages. She is committed to sharing her journey as an example to those who need to know, no matter what you have endured, you deserve to heal and take your power back. She wants all survivors to remember this. No one has the right to extinguish the light that shines within you. Her book, From Within, My Path of Hope and Healing from Sexual Abuse, was released in January of 2022. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gigi. Oh, Kim, thank you so much. This is such an honor, an honor and a privilege and just so exciting. And yes, we go way back to high school chorus together. Yes, we do. (laughs) And the honor is really all mine, Gigi. Your story is such an amazing story of hope and healing. You say it in your title. It's also a story of courage and inspiration. Many people have been through trauma of sexual abuse, but not everybody writes about it. So Mm -hmm. what prompted you to share your story? Thank you so much for asking. I'll tell you, honestly, when I really began my healing journey, and I was very fortunate that I had found an amazing therapist. She's the first person I went to, and I call her my angel. I started looking for books to read. And to be honest, I was so overwhelmed with books that were huge. I would look at a book, and the title was great, it looked great, but it was too thick, and I thought, I can't do this. So when I decided that I really wanted to share my journey, I thought, you know, I want something that's not going to be overwhelming for a survivor to read. My book is 85 pages long, but what I also wanted to do is I didn't want it to be all gloom and doom. So I do have some humor in there, and I have some wonderful memories in there, because when you begin your healing journey... It's not something you focus on 100 hours, 24 hours a day. I've learned that life is such a balance that I learned really how to work on my healing, but also just being for so grateful for the, all of the other areas in my life. Yeah, it's so true, right? When people have trauma in their life, it becomes so magnified and such mm-hmm. a focus. Yes. It like takes over everything. It and does. we sometimes forget that, hey, there's some good stuff in there too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Yes. How about the most important lessons your journey has taught you? Oh, there are a lot. 
when I came up with that saying that says that I want all survivors to remember that no one has the right to extinguish the light that shines within you. What it did for me is it made me realize how strong of a person I really am. And I think a lot of survivors are also very strong, but I didn't think I was. I just kind of got through life. I didn't think I was strong at all. But that's one thing that I have learned is that I am a lot stronger, you know, and I think once once I found my voice, we'll talk about later, the things I'm able to do now was never anything I thought I would do. And I've had so many survivors say to me, Gigi, I wish I could be where you are in your healing. And I said, you can be. Because for me, it wasn't until the day when I finally realized that I deserved to heal and I deserved to take my power back. The only one that could do that was me. I've often said that when you are a victim of sexual assault, it's kind of like the hurricane that hits. It hits out of nowhere. And there you are. The hurricane goes on its way and you're like the house or the building that's left partially damaged or partially destroyed. So what do you do? The hurricane's gone on its way. You're kind of left with, okay, am I going to completely deteriorate or am I going to rebuild? For me, I had a choice to make. Survivors do. I decided that I was worth the journey to healing, no matter how long it would take, no matter what it took, because I deserved happiness and peace and joy. And every survivor deserves that. I don't care who they are. I don't care how old they are. I don't care male, female. It doesn't matter. You have to come to that realization inside of yourself that you deserve to heal. What do you think it was that led you to that realization? For me, I was a survivor of incest. And in my situation, I blocked that completely from my memory. And that didn't emerge until I was 54 years old. But then on top of that, I was involved in an abusive relationship physically and emotionally. I still have scars on my hand where this guy dug his fingernails into me. And I was told, you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're never going to mount anything. So I had a low self-esteem because I believed him people that have been in abusive relationships, they're again, they're not abusive all the time. So when they show you that glimmer of hope that they can be a good person, you think, oh, okay, they are sorry for what they did. But then the cycle repeats and repeats. And then I was sexually assaulted in college at 18. I was sexually assaulted um, in the workplace when I was 22. And with all of that happening, another thing that really set my life in a very different pattern was I lost my mom to cancer when I was five. So as a young woman growing up, all of these things that I would have to heal from, I didn't have that mother figure. I had to learn at an early age to be strong within myself. There was a day, there was just one day, and I was standing at my kitchen counter and I was looking out the window and I was having a cup of coffee and something just came over me. And I just said to myself, that's it. I'm done with the self-hatred. I'm done with the eating disorder, the depression. I thought I'm going to do whatever I can to get on the other side of this. It was very internal. What I say is it's kind of like came from the depth of my soul that this moment just came up and said, all right, listen, girl, you got a choice here. Are you going to continue to be miserable or are you going to fight to get to where you need to be? And I think that's when I thought, that's it. I'm doing it. And I think maybe every survivor comes to that point as well. But that was a very powerful moment for me. Excellent. You are so worthy. And so is everyone. Every, everyone is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What advice do you have for any survivors that might be listening to this? I'll tell you, one of the reasons that not only writing the book, but the speaking opportunities I have is that I felt so alone. When you look at statistics, they're horrifying. And they really haven't changed, Kim, that much since we were younger. 
I still see statistics that say one in three females and one in six males will be sexually abused by the time they're 18. 33% of all adolescents are subjected to some kind of dating violence across our country. 33%, that's almost one in three. And in college, one out of every four young women will be sexually assaulted by the time they graduate. And that is only with 20% being reported. When you look at those statistics, I am a statistic in every one of those categories. But when I was going through those things, I didn't know. Survivors are everywhere. They are everywhere. One of the reasons that I've just become so passionate about what I'm doing is I needed to hear a survivor speak. I needed to hear a survivor share her story. But most important, I needed to be able to look at a strong woman and have her say, No matter who you are, no matter what you have been through, you can heal and you can take your power back. And it was not your fault. And I know in my situation, especially with the rape in college, the first thing I thought of was no one's going to believe me. They're going to say, why were you in his fraternity room with him? Why were you drinking? I did what a lot of survivors do is I put the blame back on me. It must have been something I did. It couldn't have been something he did. And back then, there were no rape kits. There was no women's center on campus. I ended up in the hospital having to have stitches because there was a tear in the vaginal wall. I could have had him arrested and thrown out of school. But even with all of that, Kim, I thought it was my fault. (laughs) Today would be very different because today there would be someone there from the rape crisis center. There would be law enforcement there. But back then, I turned all of that inward. And sadly, again, a lot of survivors, my behavior was not untypical. I developed anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. When I speak, I often say, we've probably all heard that expression that says, hurt people, hurt people. And I've had so many people say, Gigi, did you ever hurt anyone because you'd been hurt? And I said, never. I would never hurt another person, but the person I did hurt was me. I turned all of that pain inward With the eating disorder, you typically think someone anorexic, bulimic, but I was at the other end of the spectrum and I became a compulsive overeater. There was one point in time when I gained 150 pounds. I developed type 2 diabetes. I had to have cataract surgery early because the sugar damaged my eyes. I have neuropathy in my feet. So again, I didn't hurt anyone else, but the person that I hurt was me. Now, I'm thrilled, and if anyone follows me on Facebook, I always share, I'm thrilled to say that to date, I've lost 120 of the 150, which is so exciting for me. That is such a visual. And when I speak, Kim, I share a photo of myself at my highest weight, and people will say, that's not you. I said, oh, yeah, it is me. I said, this is an example of what unhealed trauma can do to a person. Yeah. It really is a powerful visual to be able to see that. I'm down to one diabetes medication once a day, and I'm hoping to be able to get off that. And in the midst of all of this, I had to learn what self-love was. I didn't have it. I never had it. One of the important lessons for me is I really had to learn what self-love was. And self-love has nothing to do with what you look like. It's all about treasuring who I am as a woman and as a person and the journey that I've traveled and my ability now to help other people who felt like I did. I truly didn't have anyone to talk to. It wasn't until I found my therapist. She was amazing. A good therapist is worth their weight in gold. I would not be here today if it weren't for her, honest to God. It's the truth. Well, I believe you. I do. So people who are listening to our conversation and might want to buy your book, where can they find it? My website is simply www.ggkilroad.com. 
It's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I believe there are several reviews on Amazon. So anyone is certainly welcome to go check out the reviews. And speaking of my book, I do want to say, Kim, I'll never be able to thank you enough. And like you told our listeners, after I decided to write this story, I reached out to you because I had no idea what to do with this. And I have to tell you that I cried. I cried when you said to me, you read it and that you would be honored to publish it. I can't tell you how much that meant to me, that you were willing to take a chance on my story. I'll be grateful to you forever. But I'm thrilled that it's my legacy. What I do now is I speak to young women in facilities. I speak in prisons. I speak at universities, at Take Back the Night events. And I tell them that expression that says, be the person you needed when you were younger. And I needed a Gigi. And I tell them, I didn't have that strong woman to tell you that you are worth the world and that it wasn't your fault. But I can tell you. When I was in the hospital for the stitches in college, I'll never forget the nurse. She was so kind to me. And she said to me, I don't know who this guy is, but I don't like him very much. And that was the first signal to me that maybe it wasn't my fault. And the other thing she said, I'll never forget, was she said, someday you'll have something to tell your daughter. As the years go on, I was never able to have children. But when I'm able to speak to young women in high schools, in colleges, at residential treatment facilities, I tell them, you know what? I never had a daughter, but all of you are my daughters. Because if your mother didn't tell you, I'm telling you right now that you deserve to heal. It wasn't your fault. It was not your fault. That's interesting the way life unfolds that I am able to give to other people what I didn't have. It makes it so worthwhile so worthwhile. Paying it forward. That's what your life has become. And you say the book is your legacy, but I think your legacy is just getting started because your legacy extends to every person whose life you touch. That's what you're doing is touching lives every time you speak. Thank you. This made me cry. When I speak, if it's the prisons or if it's the residential treatment facilities, oftentimes the instructors after I leave will ask the participants if they want to write something to me. And of course, they'll block their names off for confidentiality, and then they'll send them to me. And I've started to keep all of those. I will print them off from my laptop. I save them. And it has been such an amazing opportunity to have feedback from them. The young women touch my heart, but I was at a prison not too long ago. And here in Pennsylvania, there are only two female prisons. The rest are male. And there are currently 23 state prisons that offer what's called the impact of crime classes, which is where I go in and I share my story. My goal is to get to the 19 of the 23 that offer the classes. So I've only been to one female prison. And the last time I was at a prison, which was male inmates, I talk about they're my daughters. And when this man was walking out of class, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, well, now you also have sons. Oh, my heart, because that told me that he's a survivor. Yeah. When I'm speaking to the male inmates, again, when you think of that statistic, that one in six males will be sexually assaulted by the time they're 18. It's just that the males are less likely to talk about it. And I've been in two different prisons where the classes are small, maybe 20 inmates. And on two different occasions, I have had men start to cry. And in front of the other inmates say, I'm a survivor and I've never told anyone. And to me, what a gift that was for me to be able to see that person be so vulnerable to admit to the other inmates that it happened to him. 
I don't care if you're at the grocery store. I don't care if you're shopping. If you're walking down the street, again, those statistics, you don't know who around you is a survivor. And I know how it can affect a person's behavior. In my case, not only did I have the eating disorder and the self-esteem, but oftentimes you become either very promiscuous or very rigid. And I swung both ways. I'm honest when I say I'm not proud of the promiscuous period that I have, but in my mind at the time was thinking, you know, my consent was taken away from me. So now it's going to be my turn. I'm going to be in control. It was an unhealthy way of looking at having control, but I think that's what it was for me. It wasn't until I was able to find that balance. Would I ever do that again? Absolutely not. Never, never, never. But I think I must have needed to act that out. I had to forgive myself for that. Yeah, absolutely. It was part of the trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you had one thing that you want survivors to know, what would that be? You are not alone. You are mm. not alone. There is help available everywhere. There is confidential services through your women's center in the town or city that you live. In the back of my book, I give resources for RAIN, which is the Rape and Incest National Network. I give resources if you are in a situation with dating violence the Sexual Violence Resource Center. There's a support group for male survivors. I have information and also survivors of incest anonymous. There are resources out there and I want survivors to please don't be afraid to reach out. There are people trained to help you. And like I said, from the bottom of my heart, I would not be here if it weren't for my therapist. I attempted suicide once after the rape when I was 22, and I thought about it again when I was in my 50s. And I'm so glad that I didn't, because if I had, first of all, I would have never known what it feels like to really have that peace inside of yourself that I always looked for, whether I was dyeing my hair color or going on a diet or looking for something on the outside of it. I think that's why I called my book From Within, because it really is where we all find our strength and our power. It's all from within. I needed to learn that. Please reach out. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't. Please don't. I am a proud 63-year-old woman. I'll be 64 in a couple months, and age is really just a number. It's just a number. I've spoken to survivors that have ranged in age from 13 to 73. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you start your healing. It is never too late because if I could only really describe that peace and the gratitude that I feel every day that I never had before, I didn't know what that felt like. I didn't know when people would say, I'm happy. I'd think, well, I don't understand. How can you be happy? I, I didn't know what that meant. And I do now. And it is amazing. Well, you certainly deserve it. I'm glad you found it and are experiencing it now. Maybe you couldn't before, but it's never no, too late. Never as too long late. as there's breath in your body, it's always That's right. possible. That's right. So in keeping with the title of this show, Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, of all the choices you've made, can you share one that's made a positive impact on you and maybe even those around you? I really think having the opportunity to have my book published, Kim, because I know in therapy, they would say, journal your feelings, journal your feelings. Well, talk about journaling your feelings was so healing because I was able to start at the very beginning and go all the way through. Sometimes when you're working on healing, you don't realize how far you've come. It doesn't happen in a straight line. It goes like this. It really does. I thought, oh, I'll go a couple times, therapy, I'll be good. I <laughs> know. Uh, for me, being able to put it down in story form and having it in the book really made me stop and go, wow, look where I was and look where I am. 
it's been an incredible journey. It's been an incredible journey. Just being able to have it published. And I think another thing that I don't know how often people talk about is, you know, when you're a survivor, there also comes a sense of shame. I carried a lot of shame for everything I had been through because I blamed so much of it on myself. And I remember when I was putting the book together, somebody said to me, well, Gigi, this means people anywhere can read it. How do you feel about that? And I paused and I said, it's wonderful because you know what? I don't have any shame anymore. It is my story. It is the truth. It is what happened. I'm sharing it to help other people. And I don't care what anybody thinks. That's another thing of freedom. And You're so, not kidding. When I say that I've lost 120 pounds, yes, it's 120 pounds, but it's also 120 pounds of shame that I carried, Mm. Mm. you know, and I let it go. No, I've been able to completely have a different relationship with food. Instead of pushing my feelings down with my food, I now look at food as what fuels my body, what I need as opposed to just stuffing feelings. Being able to be so honest and so authentic in my book has really been one of the greatest things for me, honestly. That is terrific. I'm so happy for you. And truly, the honor was all mine. I love your book. And I'm so happy that I was able to be a part of it. We are coming to the end of our time together. So I just wanted to see if there might be anything you'd like to add that we didn't already talk about. Just a couple things. If you ever meet me, you'll notice that I wear red. And I'm going to tell you why. My grandmother raised me after I lost my mom. And when I was a little girl, my grandmother always told me that I should wear the color red because it was my color. Now, whenever I have the chance to speak anywhere, I always wear something red because to me, red means passion, but it doesn't mean the romantic passion. For me, it was the passion to heal and the passion to get on the other side of the pain and the passion to really embrace and enjoy every moment. Like I said, if you ever see me speaking anywhere or any of my information on my Facebook, I'll be wearing something red. That's become my signature. And the other thing is, one of the things that I did include in my book were a lot of quotes that I just absolutely love. I'm sure most of you have seen the movie, The Wizard of Oz. And one of my favorite is at the very end when Glinda the Good Witch is with Dorothy. And she says to Dorothy, you've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. And I have a really good friend who gave me this Alex and Ani bracelet. And on the back of the bracelet, it says, you've always had the power, my dear. Wear that every time I speak. Because that also is like this great tactile reminder is all of us, every one of us, no matter what kind of trauma you have ever been through, you do have the power, my dear. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Do you by chance have anything public coming up that you want to tell our audience about? I'm in Pennsylvania and I will be just speaking at a few of the prisons. I'm excited actually because for the first time, I'm actually going to go into one of the local high schools and speak with the health classes, which I'm really excited about because the topic of dating violence is something that also needs to be addressed with our adolescents, especially in the whole age of social media. Not only can you be bullied and harassed, obviously in person, but now there's so much of it through social media. I'm excited to just be able to share that with the prisons, women's centers. And for me, typically, April is a busy month because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So I will be going back to Bloomsburg University in April. I'm continually looking for opportunities to be able to share my story because I'm just so thrilled that I have this amazing opportunity to do what I do. I was in the field of special ed for 32 years, and that was my love. I thought that was my love. 
But it's so funny because everything I learned in my career in special ed, including speaking and all these different things, I've been able to now utilize. So I almost feel like that was like a runner-up career. It was a great career. But this, what I'm doing now, is really my path. It's my path. That was your training ground. Absolutely. It was my training ground. I'll tell you what, the one facility that I go to is adolescent young women across the state between 13 and 18. They're there for all different reasons and 95% of them are survivors. And you know what? They're angry and they should be. They're angry. When I first go, they look at me like, who are you? And then the minute I start talking, you can see the tough girl persona just melt. And then I'm looking at little girls who have been hurt. And afterwards, when I have a young woman walk up to me and look me in the eyes and say, I want to be a speaker like you, or another one said, I want to write a book. And I said, and you will, and I can't wait to read it. Every chance I get, I'm out there because I think it is so needed and so important. It really, really is. It really is. How could people reach you for more information or maybe they want to hire you to speak? Sure. My website is simply www ggkilrow.com. My email, all my information is on there. You can also find me. I'm on Facebook, just at Gigi Kilrow. Anytime I share anything where I have spoken is always public. And also my website is also listed there as well. Okay. Yeah. Terrific. Thank you so much. Any survivors listening to this, remember, before I go, remember, I'll say it one more time. No one has the right to extinguish the light that shines within you. I hear that. I think they will too. Thank you so much, Kim. What an honor. I really appreciate you joining us today, Gigi. Your courage and kindness is such an inspiration. How you stayed kind through all of this is remarkable. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be continuing the topic of self-discovery with Jonathan Robinson. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.